As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. I'm never gonna give up, give up. Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up. You're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. We're going to be joined shortly by Johnny Eric Williams. And Johnny's the uh, chair of the sociology, sociology department at Trinity College here in Connecticut. It's located just in the Hartford area and really appreciate his availability to kind of share some of his thoughts and perspectives on not only what's going on in the Middle East as we speak, but just regarding the sociology profession, teaching, being in the college environment during these contentious days. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's gonna be very insightful and informative to hear his comments. Johnny's been on the staff at Trinity for a number of years. And as I say, as chair of the uh, sociology department and even just teaching the subject of sociology, that's somewhat of, a, of an experiment, the, the, the creation of, of, of sociology and the invention of it. So let's, let's, hear, uh, let's hear from Johnny. I'm gonna admit him to the room now. Johnny, good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thank good, you. Good to hear you. We're we're yeah, ready. Yeah. We're, we're well, how ready you to, doing? We're ready to go. You and you and I are both AARP eligible. And <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, we are. That, we are both AARP. Let me turn this off. Uh this phone off so I won't be interrupting you. Okay. So let's let, let, let's let's dive right in for the next 40 or 50 minutes or so. Uh, glitching anything? I'm moving slowly. Say that again. Am I glitching anything? I'm moving slowly. Anything? Uh, like no, you're no, you're looking good. You're looking okay, good. Okay. Looking okay. good. I, I I checked with your wife and your daughters and your family members, and they they said that you're you're still one, one whole being. You know this <laughs> the, the, the the hologram. You're you're resting the hologram today. So I got the real deal. Yeah, you got okay. the real deal. That's true. That's true. The, so let me put the, this up here for you. But um. Yeah, so I've you know, I've been I've been making it around, so I'm I'm sort of tired though, but uh, you know I'm 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 still around, I'm still well, doing we got, my stuff. We got wet miles to go before we sleep, right? Exactly, exactly. How you doing though, man? I'm like, I haven't uh, talked to you in a long time. Indeed, indeed. We're we're, re we're recording for this show, so I mean I appreciate your giving me the chance to share with folks. I'll be uh 75 this coming January. Yeah. It's coming Ju July rather, and I don't say that to boast. But I say that there, I've had some, some some wear and tear, but I'm still on the road. So I think that's the key thing, whether you're just being born in one of the hospitals or whether you're a premature baby that just been rescued in in Gaza. The, 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 this life journey can, can be somewhat hazardous. But as yeah. personally personally speaking, my testimony, I have a pretty pretty favorable testimony to, to and a blessed 
testimony for that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, and, and lastly, uh, and I appreciate your saying for, for, for public disclosure, I, I, sh- I share with people that if you were calling me or if I was calling you, and if I was in a hospice right now, I would say all is well. Because uh, again, no, nothing's <laughs> not permanency is not necessarily in, in the cards, depending on your definition of you know of death and dying. So I uh, appreciate you giving me a chance to testify. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, uh, life can uh, you know switch off at the moment at, at, at any moment. So yes, yes. just enjoy it to the fullest every day. So that's that's, that's right. what I try to do and. And, and and try to bear witness, but also to try to transform the society so it'd be a better place when I leave. And, and that's why I'm so glad you have a chance to kind of chat this th- today. And I was just just spontaneously yesterday, it just crossed my mind that I'd say, I, I got to speak to Johnny and, and share with the world uh, some of his thoughts in terms of the, not only just the Middle East, but this this sociology experiment that you've been involved with for several decades. I, I don't mean to be denigrating when I say experiment, but the whole invention of that discipline was somewhat of an ex- experiment of can we uh, organize or observe organizations and social organizations and can we improve the, the the input and the output of the organization? So so let let's jump in if you if we if you want it in terms of uh, the Middle East or we could just talk about sociology in general, whatever your however the spirit is moving you. I mean, I mean it's like what uh, what exactly do you want me? Uh, well, uh, I'm curious okay. in terms of the Middle East. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I'm I'm curious of your it's on everybody's mind and particularly i think even if if there was a cessation and peace agreement this moment the damage that's been done thus far and where we go for the future my my thoughts are if you're 10 15 20 you still might be hearing about gaza in the news into your 30s or your 40s or or even your your 50s so what does this mean this 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 historical moment it's not a world war per se but in some ways, it, it, it's tantamount to a world war that we all, with social media and communication, we're all aware of what's going on mm-hmm. uh, to some degree. And given sociology and given you went to Brandeis and, and given some, I've seen some of your comments and just given the, 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 the if the, you know, use, use the word controversy, but just the, the, the various points of view about what's happened. And then at, even if we have an agreement this particular moment, what's going to happen in the future. So it just dawns on me that you've been prior to October 7th, you've been involved with this and aware in seminars and workshops and writings about peace on earth, goodwill toward men in general, but also particularly to the Middle East. So I know you have a, a sincere and deep abiding interest in, in that area. Yeah. Well, I, I have friends uh, in both in, and and what is the state of Israel and then uh, also Palestine, um, you know, uh, uh, since I arrived in the Northeast, and uh, I came to the Northeast in 1984 uh, from the South uh, to attend school at Brandeis University, so um, it was there that I was made aware of a connection that was going on between uh, the state of Israel and South Africa, and at mm-hmm. that time, it's apartheid in South Africa, and I was part of the anti-apartheid movement. And the Israelis were supplying the Afrikaners with uh, the apartheid government with weaponry to fight black people. Mm. Uh, so that's how I came, mm-hmm. came to this. And I was like, well, hold on, wait a minute. I mean, you know, you guys are supposed to be on the side of, you know, of black people around the world, but you're not. You're supposed to uh, know what it feels like to be oppressed, but obviously you don't, you know. So they were supporting the oppressive system, right? 
And so I, I, I immersed myself into uh, understanding uh, the state of Israel itself, as well as all the shenanigans that they were putting on uh, in, in the early 1980s. Uh, well, not the early 1980s, but the, 19, uh, the mid-1980s and late 1980s. I uh, was one of the people who was saying that Israel itself was an apartheid state. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so and I, I was I was called an anti-Semite for that at Brandeis University, but uh, I was like, okay, I'm an anti-Semite now. But you know, okay, uh, and so, but uh, I read it earlier, uh, early on that this was the case. Uh, I didn't start writing about it until you know, uh, you know, my, my my academic career when I started to write about it, as well as take trips to uh, Israel and Palestine uh, to see for myself what was happening, and and I've written about it in multiple places, back in a report, counterpunch.org, um, local newspapers mm -hmm. in, in, in Connecticut and so forth, saying, you know, saying, saying exactly what I witnessed uh, uh, when I was there, you know, and what I saw was worse than Jim Crow. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was terrible, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and when I came back, I decided that, uh, you know, I was, I would remain connected to my friends there and try to do something about it, you know, and so, so it's been a long, long, long struggle. And I've been trying to inform people about it, but it's only recently that through the long struggle of boycott, divestment, sanction movement, uh, which the civil society of Palestine called for West Bank, Gaza, uh, occupied East Jerusalem. Uh, you know, they, uh, they want us to do what we did to South Africa, that is to boycott the state of Israel. And we've been trying to do that. And hopefully it will take off even further now that we see uh, that Zionism, which is not Judaism, but a political perspective of settler colonialism, which seeks to take land from the Palestinian people, right? And and that's what they've been doing since 1948 with the establishment of the state of Israel. Uh, they basically conducted ethnic cleansing, uh, which they're continuing doing right now. What they're trying to do in Gaza, as well as the West Bank, we're not even talking about the West Bank, they're bombing it and bombing hospitals in the West Bank and schools and stuff like that and refugee camps and killing people in the West Bank. But uh, they're trying to ethnically claim and take the land. And and the people who are in charge, the Bibi Netanyahu, uh, as well as um, you know, his far-right cronies who are basically rabid racists, uh, who are trying to take the land from Palestine, trying to, trying to get them, push them off the land into the desert, into the Sinai into Jordan, but Jordan and Egypt will not have that. So if they continue to pers uh, persistent at doing this stuff, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is a regional war that may lead to a world war. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's where we are now. So, uh, and what they're doing is, is just arming civilians willy-nilly in violation of international law, uh, which uh, Israel and the United States don't seem to think to recognize international law. They just do what they want to do. Uh, so they're being brazen. So, but anyway, I mean, this is how I came to it, and this is what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. and, and and friends who are talking to me via Twitter, as well as uh, other social media platforms, uh, and and you know, calling me and stuff like that, telling me what's going on on the ground. So, so it, it, it's pretty bad, and 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 we don't need uh, these kinds of milk toasts like just cease fire. We need to end the blockade. Uh, we need to end the ethnic cleansing. We need to have a one state that is secular and not a ethno state of, of Jewish supremacy. We don't need that. that. That's the way I see it. And that's, I think that's the way my Palestinian colleagues 
and many Israelis now starting to see mm-hmm. it. Talk, and and that's so helpful for you to, to provide that historical perspective, Johnny, just in general, but also your your, your personal testimony and involvement for, 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 for a few decades. So where do we kind of kind of go from here? Uh, what's your 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 best optimistic hope? Your your mid level hope, and what's your your and what what, what might be your dire forecast? Because the okay. season, mm-hmm. my best hope is is that the Israelis start fighting themselves because that's mm-hmm. what they're doing right now anyway. Because uh, Bibi Netanyahu doesn't believe that uh, he should care about the Israeli you know hostages, nor do uh, uh, have the Israelis ever cared about the uh, Palestinian hostages that they hold in prisons, uh, mass incarceration of Palestinian resistance fighters in the West Bank, Gaza, and East Jerusalem, in which they're doing, they're arresting in mass right now and bombing people and killing people and babies and stuff like that. Still, you know, not just in Gaza, like I said, in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff too uh, that we're not talking about. So the best, the best uh, outcome, I think, would be is that we recognize that Zionism is a settler colonialist apartheid regime and that uh, that the uh, people in the Middle East, that is in in Israel, Palestine, uh, Palestine, Israel, agree to, uh, you know, to form one secular state. I mean, a two state, that ain't even plausible. The Israelis have, you know, integrated uh, their economies as well as their electrical grids and everything into the West Bank and Gaza. So they control all of that. It has to be a one state uh, kind of thing, a binational state. That's mm. I mean, mm. that's the best I can see happening. If that doesn't happen, if these zealots, if these uh, you know, right wing racist extremists uh continue to uh to reign as they are, uh and 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 engage in that, you know, over ethnic cleansing. Uh, then the, the the outcome will be more and more war and maybe regional war and as I said World War Two that's the worst I can see happening mm-hmm. yeah World uh, War Three right right but but, but right. they but but this this cannot continue to go on uh, the, the the killing of Palestinians willy nilly uh, the apartheid in Israel itself of uh, Palestinian citizens of Israel uh, it, it has to stop uh, and and the world is now saying it has to stop and and that's why you see Massive demonstrations in the United States, around the world, Canada, Mexico, anywhere you go now around mm-hmm. the world, it's a pro-Palestinian uh, march. Even though they're trying to shut it down by saying that if you're anti-Zionist, then you must be anti-Semitic. And believe me, that's 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 an old trope that the Israelis like to employ uh, to stop people from resisting their settler colonial project, and it needs to stop. And. I want to ask about students because you're you're still engaged with that, and even you mentioned the the protest uh, on the streets, but there's certainly protests on the, almost so, on so many campuses, yay, yay and nay. Uh, what just from a uh, prior to October sixth, you know, before October seventh happened, what do you think the was there one thing that caused that 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 incursion, if you will? I was just as you were talking, my mind went back to the books that Jimmy Carter wrote about the apartheid state. And so you have our former president really echoing much of what you just said in, in your opening opening remarks as, as a, for, as a for, former president. Uh, but what do you think precipitated? Uh, was it like the, uh, oh, the Pearl Harbor situation? Or what do you think precipitated this, uh, this action? 
Yeah, well, you know, this, this this is 75 years of ethnic cleansing, apartheid, and uh, 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 and and basically just humiliating Palestinians and dehumanizing mm -hmm. them, and 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 calling them terrorists when they're just resisting the occupation of their lands, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and and by by international law, right, the occupier of land has no right to self-defense. So that's why you keep hearing people talking about, oh, Israel has a right to self-defense. That is a bunch of malarkey, right? Uh, Israel has no right to self-defense when it's occupying other people's lands, right? So that's one. Two, as I said, this event precipitated in 1948. Mm. And it's this, this project continues even to this day, right? So it is not, Repeat, it is not something that's new. Israel and Netanyahu, and the Israelis know this, the Israeli public can tell you this. If you if you watch Israeli news, uh, you read their newspapers and so forth, is that Netanyahu and his right-wing cronies are responsible for this because they kept, they, they just kept trying to take land in the West Bank, East Jerusalem, they, they evicting people from their homes and stuff for no reason at all. And these homes are owned by these people. I mean, he's just been doing it. He's been humiliating them, denying them access and stuff like that. So, so, so he was pushing this, and these these right wing, you know, like I said, racist Zionists were doing this stuff, and uh, and, and and then they were blockading for over damn near 20, 20 years, uh, a blockade of Gaza, right? Uh, which Elon Pape, who's an Israeli historian, said it's it's an open air prison, right? Mm. Like, you hear that term, right? Two point. Three million people in that little small portion of land, no bigger than the state of Delaware, and they can't go anywhere. They can't. They can't fish in the ocean. They can't. They, they got a naval blockade. They got a land blockade. Uh, you know, and they and, and the Israelis decide what goes in and what goes out, right? So that's been going on the whole time, Tom. Mm. But nobody in America has been talking about that, mm -hmm. right? And and what did people expect to happen, right? Is that if you keep doing that to people? And humiliating them and dehumanizing them is like treating them like like they're subhuman. What you expect them to do? They gotta resist, right? They have no other choice. Who would want to live that kind of life, right? They, they rather fight and get the bombs dropped on them than to, mm. to just to continue to exist in that way. I know I would. I mean, mm. it's like our ancestors in slavery, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh. On our Bantam said, any place is better than here, right? Anywhere but here. I think that's what Palestinians are right now. And, and I don't blame them. And, 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 and I'm in total kind of support of what Palestine is doing. They, 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 something has to give. They can't continue to live as a people in this way. Uh, uh, being, I don't know, this way in the United States and the EU. When I, when, I, way, no. when, when I when I and I, again we have about you know 40, 40 more minutes so we can continue to unpack when I enter into conversations with the folks whether it's a long winded conversation or a brief conversation I'd like to kind of and you, you referenced this already uh, about if I ask I ask them who is Ralph Bunch S some remind some remember some don't then I say you know he won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize and what did he win it for. In, in 48, trying to kind of bring some peace to the area. And then after they say, oh, I don't remember him, but I have to look it up. And I say, okay, what about um, Andy Young? Yes. Uh, 
do you remember he was ambassador to the United Nations? And do you remember why he had to resign? It's, most people say no, but you know, he made the effort to reach out. Uh, and then I've referenced, I said, okay, well, President Carter, do you, you know that name? And so kind of check, check out some of his books. So you're right, this historical continuum uh, is pretty clear. What is your take on, on the, the, the hostages though? Uh, I think that still is kind of, people are still unclear about why the hostages had to, had to be taken. Well, uh, historically the Israelis have taken Palestinians hostage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, put them in prisons and stuff. And then uh, the, the, the PLO, which doesn't exist anymore. There's the Palestinian, the Palestinian authority, which basically doesn't work for the Palestinian people. It works for the Israelis in the United States. Uh, that's who pay their bill. Uh, Mahmoud Abbas, who basically is, I mean, a misleadership as Glenn Ford and Bruce Dixon used to say at Black Agenda Report. They're not really working for the Palestinian people. So the Palestinian people resist them too. Uh, and, and then, you know, you, you, you have, uh, Hamas, right? Uh, and Hamas, uh, is a, is basically, uh, something that Netanyahu, if you, if you see his postings from when Hamas got off the ground, there was an election in the West Bank and in Gaza and Hamas won in Gaza and the, the PLO, that is the Palestinian Authority won and, in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. I mean, most people forget that East Jerusalem itself is also occupied. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They think all oh, Jerusalem is all, all Israel. No, no, it's occupied. Uh, East Jerusalem is Palestine. But anyway, so, so you have these two divisions and basically Netanyahu sought to, uh, divide and conquer between, um, the Hamas and Palestine. Right. And, and, and there was a friction that developed. Uh, the small number of Hamas people who were in the West Bank. Uh, uh, were fighting with the Palestinian Authority until the point where the Palestinian Authority basically got rid of all of them. They went to prison and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Hamas continued to reign supreme in, in uh, Gaza. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, this goes back to Netanyahu. Go back to the 1980s, 1990s, and he was basically trying to fuel this division. And now it comes back to this blowback, mm-hmm. right? It uh, comes back because, I mean, basically he fueled that division and Hamas sees no other alternative but to uh, fight back right now. So, so, so that's where it comes from. And most people don't know the history of this stuff because most Americans don't fucking read. But I'm sorry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yes. but but they don't, right? They don't read. The students in my classes don't read. Right? The American people don't read. They read uh, only. Uh, of the stuff that the mainstream media that is owned by the wealthy few put out there to control their, their point of view. All you got to do is turn the TV on, right? And, and watch cable news and network news. And they're going to only give you the Israeli side, right? And most people are getting hip to that now. But, but, but the fact is that they don't know the history of stuff like that. And that's traditionally been the case where the Israeli point of view is always given the Palestinian voice is not given any kind of understanding. So we demonize them. And, and this parallels what happens to black Americans, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Is that, is that we're demonized by this media as well. And, and we're called criminals and we're, they criminalize us, criminalize us. But on the, on the Palestinian side, the Israelis and the Americans also demonize the Palestinians and call them terrorists, mm. right? 
and people who don't know their animals, right? As this Gallant said, this general, Yo Gallant, uh, talked about uh, oh, we, these, inhu these, these human animals we're fighting. I mean, <laughs> what do you call Israelis who do this to human beings, though? Right? Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I mean, if you go there and you look and you see, you go, who's really the animal? Who's really uncivilized? Right? And from my perspective, uh, I've been seeing Israelis treat Palestinians like they uh, are dogs or something. It's like they don't exist. They have no empathy. No human empathy for Palestinians at all. Mm-hmm. Let's let's take a take a deep breath for a second and talk about sociology yeah. in this context. But I do want to then come back to this current yeah. crisis, which we can't diminish. And on you know November on this this day and time, and then again I'm just consumed with, with what the future might be for the for the younger people. Could because again you and I we we may not be in the total winter of our lives, but we've but we well we this we may we may not see as many more spring times and summers as we would like but but we yeah, yeah, healthy been, ones at that right healthy yeah. ones we've been blessed but I'm just preoccupied at the moment for the for the unborn generations and anywhere in the world but particularly in the in that area uh uh but 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 let's talk about maybe your 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 academic profession which has been you know, 30 40 years of your involvement with this phrase called sociology and is and the the discipline of how can we organize society and and look at society and, and improve society from a organizational and an observational standpoint any thoughts in that regard uh, uh and yeah. maybe maybe yeah, before wanna... we before we move off of israel though let me just say this about well i'm, I'm going to uh, come back to israel at the end but uh, yeah, yeah but but i okay. I, I, I want to talk about I, there's something in my head right now that I okay great let's let's audience. get it out let's get it out yeah that that that, that if, if they're noticing that you know at the colleges and universities uh, the students are protesting because the students know what's up, right? Mm. And and that our universities have been corporatized uh, and they're run like they're businesses, which they shouldn't be, right? Uh, these are public goods, right? I know most people don't want to think of it as a public good, but that's what it is. That is, uh, the knowledge that we hold now should be spread through the rest of the world for free, mm -hmm. right? And people should go to school for free and not have to pay for it as we do in the United States. Most of the world doesn't pay for the education because they recognize it as a public good. But the students are recognizing on these campuses that that, that the presidents of these universities are not working in the interest of that public good, but in the interest mm. of the corporate good for the mm -hmm. wealthy few. And so now you see the crackdown in, uh, that was building because of the response to the effectiveness of the boycott divestment sanction movement is that putting laws out saying that you can't protest against Palestinians say in the UK, uh, that that if you protest, if you have a pro-Palestinian protest, that means you're anti-Semitic. Uh, I hear saying that if you if you support Palestinians, you should be suspended because it doesn't support the colleges or universities' uh, community values, say at Yale, uh, you know, when students protested there, and, and, and the response of the president of the College and the Board of Trustees. Uh, at Brown University, at Brandeis University, right? And just yesterday, uh, the Brandeis alumni, which I'm one, uh, hundreds of us have agreed not to provide funding to Brandeis University until they reinstate Students for Justice for Palestine and mm. JB, the mm. Jewish Voices for Peace, mm. as, as legitimate. They shouldn't be suspending any of that. That's an attempt to clamp down on, uh, uh, on people's disgust with Israeli Zionism. Right. And with the United States support of that kind of Israeli Zionist 
behavior in settler colonialism and so forth. So there's been this kind of crackdown and there's this division uh, that is being fed, this divisiveness is being fed by politicians who are in their pocket of the American-Israeli political action pact, APAC, right? And, and people are going to them and saying, ceasefire now. Though we need more than just a ceasefire, we need the stuff to stop, period. Settler colonial project needs to stop, right? End the blockade, everything, right? So the students are recognizing this. Faculty are afraid to talk, mm-hmm. right? Because they think, and even when they have tenure, which blows me away, that if they remain silent, that somehow they're not going to be affected by it. But their silence is complicity and they will kill you anyway and tell you that you resisted, right? That you liked it when they killed you, according to Mm -hmm. Zorner Hurston, right? So so, uh, the faculty needs to speak up and support the students and what they're doing because the students who are the future, as you said, right? uh, They need our support, right? And, 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 and what kind of the United States is trying to do is give faculty the form. And, and I think it's a good idea that we form faculty for justice in Palestine groups mm. so we can be in conjunction and supportive of our students. We have academic freedom. Our students do too. They also have free speech. And they shouldn't be penalized for that, especially when there's some immoral, you know, corrupt, inhuman stuff going on. Uh, uh, and, and that they're protesting against, say, in Israel and Palestine. I'm, okay, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, so with that, no, now no, I will switch to well, your... Well, I'm, I'm going to argue with... No, yeah. no, let's let's stay on this theme. <laughs> Just stay okay. on this for a second, because I'm so glad you... <clears throat> So glad you lifted that up. Weave in in that same discussion that you just mentioned that number of uh, uh, J- Jewish benefactors have withdrawn their money from from universities. Co- comment on that. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you're talking about uh, a faithful few, uh, wealthy wealthy few Zionist uh, Jews, right? Uh, who are saying that they're speaking for the whole Jewish community, which they're not, right? I mean, most people don't know that I myself am uh, married to a Jewish person mm-hmm. and my wife, and, and, you know, so she's Jewish and my kids are Jewish too. And and they attended Jewish day schools and stuff like that. So so it's not Jews as a, as a collective that is saying that we're going to withdraw our money. It is these wealthy Zionists who claim to speak for the Jewish community and the Jewish community is responding back that you do not speak for us and not in our name, mm-hmm. right? Especially in the United States. Uh, they have lost the narrative that they've been spouting for a long time. That if they've been espousing this, this narrative that, that Zionism is Judaism, most Jews in the United States don't accept that anymore, right? Mm. And, you know, oh, there are some, right? You have some that show up for the, the rally for Israel. Right, which was a paid event. They were actually paying students two hundred and fifty dollars to attend. That's how they had the muster of support. And then they inflated the numbers at their little Monday rally to say that it was two hundred and ninety thousand people. When anybody who could look and see on the mall that it was way less than that. It may have been a hundred thousand people, but it definitely wasn't two hundred ninety thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to take take back control of the narrative which they have lost. Which I don't think it's not it's not possible now, given what they have done in the past forty something days to the Palestinians in Gaza, in the West Bank and Eastern. And, and so, so let, let's just let's just stay on the. You mentioned the anti-apartheid movement and the obviously the civil rights movement and Kent State and uh, 
Orangeburg, I think it was Orangeburg, we, we had the, the Kent State kind of killing that around that same time you had a black college. And then you had the, obviously the Vietnam protests and the free speech movement, uh, Colombian and, and elsewhere. And then we fast forward now to today. So what does that say about student, students really taking ownership of their, of their, of their dedication, passion and beliefs? Uh, well, it, it's particularly uh, Generation Z, Gen Z, the TikTok generation, uh, who are resisting uh, these narratives, which gives me hope mm -hmm. that this, all of these wars and, and our wartime economy, which was still on from World War II, where we make money off of weapons and stuff, that this stuff will stop because students will say, these young people are going to say, no, we don't want to live like this anymore. We don't want to destroy the planet. Right, mm -hmm. taking us to the climate change level that we are. They make the connections between climate change and wars and weapon manufacturing and and and, and capitalism. They're making those connections and saying no more, right? Mm -hmm. And they're the up and coming generation. So, mm -hmm. so I, I think we should be hopeful, right? And I'm I'm pretty optimistic about that, right? Good. Despite what's going on in Israel and Palestine, uh, I think. That young people, and I know that they have lost young Jews already, mm. right? They're very concerned about that, right? Especially ADL, which masks itself as a civil rights movement. I mean, a civil rights organization when it's actually uh, a Zionist, uh, racist organization in support of the settler colonial project in Israel. So, so young people, especially young Jews, are just we ain't having it no more. Mm. So, I, so I like it. So, I, I think it's a very helpful a hopeful and a helpful way in which they are operating. And 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 and, and the people who want to be Zionists are very concerned about it. So so let, let's so let, let's move into sociology and let me throw maybe if not a curveball or a forkball or hopefully it could be a, a not, not even a fastball, but I know you I know you're on your feet. But if you were teach if I find the uh uh the secret to life and and send it to you so that you can teach still at Trinity for 30 years from now, how would you approach teaching sociology or, or will, will we really even have these uh, artificial distinctions among dis disciplines, but how would we, how would you teach sociology or how would you teach just becoming a human, a better human college between 18 and 21? Well, well, well first of all, I mean, I, I'm going to stay, stay on point because I get lost sometimes when I start right. talking, but, okay. Okay. Uh, but first of all, sociology isn't the end all be all life safe. Right. Mm. <laughs> right. mm. Sociology itself is a a project of the Enlightenment in Europe, right? And and that pro the Enlightenment itself was highly connected to imperialism and colonialism, mm. right? And so sociology, the way it got legitimacy was to support the differentiating of human beings so that they can be exploited. That is, sociology sought to legitimate uh, race. Mm. Right. <laughs> which is still doing. Right. So so uh, which I'm highly critical of because there are many of my colleagues who uh, use the, the language that they use, the discourse that they use and so forth uh, in the studies that they engage in do nothing to get rid of the scourge of white supremacy and systemic racism, which is the same thing. Right. So so there's only a faithful few sociologists in the United States and Canada and Mexico who actually seek to overturn the existing system and, re and replace it with a one that is more human-centered, mm. like better than material accumulation-centered. There's not that many, uh, right? And so I'm highly critical of that. And my goal 
has always been to provide students with a conceptual frame, right? A sociological conceptual frame uh, for how to transform the world into one that is that is human-centered, mm. right? Rather than material-centered, that is the accumulation of things, you know, more and more stuff. I mean, we don't need all this stuff, right? It's destroying us uh, as a species, not the planet. The planet will be here, but we will be gone because we, you know, we can't mm. live and breathe on the planet anymore. But, but so, so, so that's the, the thing I'm hopeful for. But sociology itself needs to be actually, uh, from my perspective, totally revamped, totally restructured, and mm. not operate the way in which it operates now. And there's a, uh, there's a progressive group that you're affiliated with, I believe, that's that's more progressive oriented. Am, am I correct? There's a group of sociologists. You're talking about the well, you know, all organizations have their problems, but it, this is the imperfection. That's just imperfection of them all, right? But uh, I'm in the Association for Humanist Sociology, yeah, and at, at least we try, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just reserved for sociologists, but also for activists, mm. right? And uh, just everyday people to come in and work together. It's it's more, and, and what it needs to become more of is collaborative with everyday people, okay. right? Uh, because the sociology that I see is a collaborative one. Sociologists are not the vessels of knowledge per se. That's the, that's the, that's the venue of everyday people. Mm -hmm. Right, everyday people are very smart too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and they're intellectuals, right? They just don't have a degree. They don't have these credentials that these PhDs, MAs, and all this other stuff. But they they know uh, how to experience and live life and transform this planet to make it a better place, right? So we need to work with them. So that's the kind of sociology that I seek, and the the Association for Human and Sociology is trying to get there. It ain't there yet. Uh, and I'm, I'm highly critical of this concept of humanism, which is a European one, also, uh, which is which which is the source of this kind of universalism, which is uh, the foundation for this kind of imperialism that we're experiencing in this uh, colonialism, neo-colonialism, and stuff that we're experiencing. So, so humanism can be also a suspect concept itself. Mm, mm. Have to critique it also. J Johnny, let's take another. 10 minutes as we wind down and really appreciate you taking the time uh, to, to kind of chat with me. And I want to kind of leave it open-ended in terms of what might, what might be circulating through your, through, through your young brain, you know, you continue to, to, to rejuvenate your, 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 your brain cells, but my mind comes to, you, you might want to talk about the 2024, the presidential election and Cornell West is kind of in that race, or you might want to uh, sh share about, uh, uh, you mentioned the corporate, universities being more of a business than a than a citadel of learning i'm still intrigued with with, with that concept uh and even you you, you mentioned your, your personal life which i really appreciate your sharing what what that you know when you wake up and each day and each morning you're you're you're, you're in a global family if, if you will uh so i'm just curious what, what what's what, how would you like to conclude for the next nine or so minutes well you know the uh the, the corporate university is is real uh, is this was a design of the people reacting to Vietnam, anti-Vietnam protests, as well as the free speech movement, the civil rights movement, the women's movement, and the gay lesbian movement, the American Indian movement, Chicano movement. Mm -hmm. They were reacting to that and saying that in these universities, uh, 
there were radicals, right, in these universities that were fueling this kind of stuff, which mm. is, it's a blatant lie, it's not true. Uh, but this was uh, Lewis Powell before he became Justice Powell of the Supreme Court, had a Powell memo, which he wrote about this, in, right, which then sprung into action these people, uh, this one guy who's still alive, Charles Koch, his brother mm -hmm. David passed away. Mm -hmm. So now they have a Koch donor network where they seek to insert professors that they want with conservative, you know, capitalist, um, racist leanings uh, and preserve the system as it is, this oppressive system called the United States as it really is, and not to question it. And any professor who does question it should be ran out of the Academy of Higher Education, right? And they have done that, right? They tried it with me, right? Uh, and as I said, this is starting back as a response to what happened in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. They're now trying to take, what they did was they decided to defund the university in order so that, they, that the rich people can have control by funding it and, and, and determining who could be hired and who could go to school and stuff like that, which which what they're doing now, right? It's, 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 it's reaching this crescendo mm -hmm. uh, about who can go to school, right? School is so expensive. Uh, and the Supreme Court decision, and the Supreme Court decision as well. Yeah, exactly. Citizen United, right? Uh, that decision, and then the Supreme Court decision about uh, the uh, affirmative action, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and what could happen, right? Even though affirmative action was dead in the water anyway, they just went and put the nail in the coffin, right? Mm -hmm. But, 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 but the thing is, is that what they're doing is they're trying to to, to maintain control of discipline your mind. Mm. So that you won't think outside of the box of neoliberal capitalism and racism and sexism and stuff like that, that you will stay confined to that box. And if anybody steps outside of that box, that's a radical, right? Mm. Mm. right? Even though they may not be a radical, they just say, hey, this is not right, right? That kind of thing, right? But, and so uh, what we have now is a university primarily, even public institutions, primarily funded by these wealthy few in their interests. Right. And, and, and now they're trying to keep, because the demographics are changing rapidly by even before 2050, the country will be a majority black, Latino and Asian mm. and, and Native American, right? And not, not white. They'll be, they'll be in the minority, right? Mm. And it's already, it's already shifted in the state of California, Texas and Florida. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm. it, so, so this is going on. And so they're responding to this to try to maintain their white dominance. The, the, you know, the, and, and they'll do anything to do that. So that's that's why you get the rise of people like like Trump, mm -hmm. but you also get a bite who ain't no better. You get white supremacy, Trump, or you get white supremacy, light, right? That's what you get, right? And they're all in maintaining this kind of white male domination of the society, white elite male domination, even though they make up only about like what maybe thirty percent of the population, but they dominate every major institution in the country, right? Uh, these folks. So so that's what this is about when it comes to the corporatization of the university. And if and then they'll put, you know, what's interesting about this comment is that they'll put people who look like me and you in charge, but they just look like me and you. Their mental state is totally whitened. Mm. It's a whitened mental state. It's a capitalist mentality. And they will do they will do effectively what someone who is really white and male will do for them. Mm -hmm. They're basically what uh, in the academic lingo, 
compradors, right? Mm. Uh, courtiers in French, meaning that they're collaborators, right? Mm. They, uh, you know, you call them sellouts, you can call them tongue, whatever you want to call them, but, but, but that's what they do at these places. So just because someone, just cause you got diversity, don't mean that you're going to get someone with a consciousness that is a black consciousness. Mm. Mm. Or that is with the people that size with oppressed people and stuff like that. So you see that. that. That's how you can explain Obama, right? I know folks in the audience may say, oh, oh Obama, he go out home. Yeah, Obama was treacherous for Black people. He did nothing for Black people. He set us back decades, right? I, I, you know, just look at any policy, you can see that, right? So I'm trying to get you to see how overall, mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. the scheme is, no matter who's in charge, they're going to be in the interest of those wealthy few. And, and that's that's so helpful, Johnny. We we've been uh, uh, your your good friend. I think you call him Corn, but th yeah. those of us that know that don't know him as well, we refer him as the esteemed and venerable Professor Cornell West. We've in his uh, his quest at the moment to kind of seize the well, the imagination. Well, I, I think American Cornell West mind. will tell you that what he's trying to do is is bring up these issues that otherwise wouldn't be talked about. I don't. I I, I think he has no illusions that he would ever be president and and quite frankly who would want to be president of this beast right mm. i would never want to run for president of the united states because it means that you become a presider over the oppression of the world and the people within the united states and north america mm. right so but but I, I think what he's trying to do is just you know get people to to educate people to get them where they need to go to say things that people need to hear that the the paid politicians, the wealthy few's benefactors, right, who benefit these people, they need to, you know, listen to what he says and stop and pay attention to people. They're not representing the people, right? And they have never done that throughout U.S. history. And so the system needs to be radically restructured, as Martin Luther King said. Mm. It is mm. a violent political, economic, cultural system in the United States that needs to be we need a radical transformation of values, radical transformation of the economic and political systems. This is the only way we can save humanity and ourselves. Right? Mm. And I think corn is on that line. Uh, would I vote for corn? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I, 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 I do that. Yeah, but, you know, traditionally, I, what I do is I just vote for these nuts and ovaries. You know, it's like, that's been my thing. I mean, I, I just write in because I know what's up. Most of these people are not going to work for the everyday folks. Right. But I think Cornell will. So, you know, I'll vote for him. If he if he gets somewhere, it'd be great. But but I highly doubt that he will. Let's as we wind down, Johnny, and, and you're you're I, I'm laughing out of admiration and and respect. And I haven't lifted up the uh, people trying to the word pillory comes to mind or even crucify you eight, nine yeah. years ago. And so just so remarkable and, and pleased to see your that that was just part of your journey and that you lived and learned and you're thr somewhat even thriving because of going through walking over those hot coals and people throwing this slings and arrows of outrageous fortune at you. And I'll leave people to kind of Google what I mean by that themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but, 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 but talk, talk to me a little bit about as we, as we kind of conclude, there are, you mentioned that the need for life as a learning opportunity and whether you're in college or not, or in your, that learning is, is ongoing. What kind of books or, or articles or 
or Al Jazeera, what would you recommend for folks to kind of help them with their own personal evolution and consciousness? It doesn't necessarily have to be a book that you, that's part of your syllabus, although that's fine too. But I'm just curious about some, some, some things that people might want to guess pick up on and just to help with their own self edification. Well, I think, you know, when I was young, I mean, the most important book uh, that I read that, that transformed me uh, to think differently about the world was the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though I know it's, it's, Alex Hager left out a lot of stuff, but, you know, and, and, and framed it the way he wanted to, but it was a very influential book for me. So that, that's one. And then, then the second book, um, is Pedagogy of the Oppressed mm. by Paulo Ferrer. Ferrer, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. a free air, you can call him that way. I mean, he's Brazilian, but he's passed on in the education of Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And then uh, France Fanon, uh, mm-hmm. Wretch of the Earth, uh, is a very important book to read, uh, to get to know, and, and to understand, right? And then uh, there's books by my heroes, uh, sure. Cabral, Amir Khan Cabral, mm-hmm. Return to the Source, very thin book, uh, uh, talking about colonialism and what's happening to African people around the world in the diaspora. Uh, then there is uh, a book by Amir Cesar, uh, Discourse on Colonialism, mm-hmm. which was also pivotal for me uh, and moving moving my thoughts forward and understanding, which I still I still use his book. I use it, I used his book this semester. Mm-hmm. I also use the Wretched of the Earth, as mm-hmm. well as Black Skin, White Mask by Fanon. Mm-hmm. And then there is um uh, just the speeches and the writings of uh, of Cabral as well as uh Patrice Lumumba mm-hmm. in the Congo, uh in Africa, which were helping me to think in internationalist terms. Yes. Um, instead of just domestically, because what's local is also national as well as international. Mm. Um, as we see with, uh, you know, doing the George Floyd situation and where they were police who had been trained in Israel, uh, they trained with the Israeli police and learned the techniques that they used to suppress Palestinians, that the Palestinians, uh, were helping us, uh, to combat uh, the weaponry which will be deployed against us and how to be successful. Mm. I recognize that this is an international thing. This is a global uh, oppression system uh, that we're operating with. Uh, as Patricia Hill Collins called it, a matrix of domination. Mm. Um, and, and and so we need to be very much aware that we are not alone and that we should be in solidarity with oppressed people all around the world. And then I'll uh, I'll, I'll give one last book that was also very critical, Black Liberation Theology by James Cone. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I grew up in a, a very religious family, you know, uh, you know, oh, I'm not a very religious person at all, uh, but my, my wife and kids are, but I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and my, my family is my, my mom, mm-hmm. brother, and my brothers and stuff. But I, uh, found James Cone's book to be very, very helpful for me to understand uh, religiously what's happening and Mm -hmm. and what we should always, always side with the oppressed. Always side with the oppressed. And and that's the position that I take throughout my life is that uh, the oppressed are never wrong. Something is being done to them. 
important to learn that there are laws, but laws are not morality. Mm. They are unjust laws. Mm. Right? And right now, what we're seeing uh, in the United States with them trying to say that, you know, if you speak out for Palestine, that you're anti-Semitic, that is an unjust law. Mm-hmm. Well, it should be violated at all costs, mm. continuously, right? Mm. Uh, and and so I would I would tell people to stop with those things and then and read them and hopefully, uh, you know, live a fruitful life and enjoy other people and have relationship with people, not just things, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. That's mm. a Johnny. Let, let's 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 conclude. Let, let, let's conclude on that note. I mean that I. I I want to conclude on that note and give people a chance to digest really this total conversation, but particularly your closing comments. I guess want to want to thank you for sharing that really heartfelt communion that's so important this day and age and in the future. Thank you, Johnny. Thanks so much, man. See see you soon. All right, brother. See you soon. All right, bye bye. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new edition, filling positions Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah you're listening to the Topic and Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.